Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. There, there's that old adage that if you find the perfect church, you better not join it because then it'll no longer <laughs> yes. be perfect, right? Right. And I think that's true with community too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we need people, like you said, who we can be in community with, do life with, who recognize that we are going to fall down. And when we fall down, they won't trample us. They'll pick us back up. But if we want to be in community with those people, we have to be those people as well. And when mm-hmm. the people around us fall, we've got to we've got to show grace. We've got to be able to pick back up. We've got to be able to build back up. And I actually think a little bit later in this chapter, that's you're talking about the difference between human knowledge and godly truth. I think I think that's really the difference, right? Human human knowledge and human pride puffs up and godly truth builds up and, and edifies This series, we're looking at 2 Timothy. It's Paul's last letter to Timothy, and there are only four chapters, but they pack a punch. I am so glad you've joined us. Today, we're talking about 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. And my guest today is, if you listen to Faith Radio, if you listen to Susie Larson Live, you may have heard him there, or you may may have heard him on his new show called The Equip, Equipped, my guest today is Than Bennett. Welcome, Than. Angela, thank you for having me. I'll just say very quickly, there is um, really very, there's just nothing that I like more than digging into God's Word, and there are very few people, Angela, that I love doing it more than with uh, the Faith Radio family and specifically mm. with you. So uh, thrilled to be here. Thanks. I Yeah, I, I'm excited about this passage specifically, mm. and as I read it again, I remembered we did a, a sermon at church and a sermon series on second Timothy, which inspired when I, so I came back into the office and I was like, we should do second Timothy. And it was because of the, these first few verses in chapter three, because I think they are so sobering. So before we get too far, would you read the scripture that we're going to be talking about today? And then we can get dug in. Yeah, I will. And uh, I'll just say real quick, I, I echo those thoughts, Angela. And actually, this chapter is very special to me as well. Some of it is not in the in the text that we're going to look at specifically today. But at the at the appropriate time, I might give you a little bit of context of why it's impro- important to me as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, OK, so here's the text. Second Timothy three, one through nine it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women, who are loaded down with sins and who and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. So 
pretty uplifting passage there, Angela. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for letting me read it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I want to hear, because I think the verses that you're talking about that have really stuck out to you are later in the chapter. So let's talk about those more at the end. But I want to hear, I want to hear what you have to say about later in the chapter. Um, but first, what what is standing out to you here? Well, I think much like you said to open the show, I think there's just so many analogies to uh, today, honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. I read that passage and I, I think about circumstances of today. And, um, you know, part of the context that I alluded to, much of it is later, you're right, so we can hold that. But some of it is actually earlier, um, Angela, in, in the beginning of this letter, uh, Paul's letter to Timothy, he's talking about how we as Jesus followers can have uh, lead lives of, of power and love and sound minds, right? I know you've already talked about that, but the, the uh, opposite choice of that is that we'll be paralyzed with fear. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at this chapter, I see things that are happening around us in our world. And um, I, I think that that is causing many of us uh, to lead lives of fear and that we are we are paralyzed by that fear because of these very things that, that is mentioned that are mentioned here. And so I kind of look at the context of how Paul started this letter and then look at how so many of these things are happening today and how there is a tendency for us to be drawn into lives of fear. But really, right at the outset, before Paul even warned us of this, Angela, he said, look, it's almost like he he was kind of he was almost softening the blow. He was going to say, I'm, I'm going to tell you about some bad things. But first, I want to give you the promise that this is the life you're supposed to lead. And now let me warn you about some things that are coming. Mm. Yeah, what I found sobering about this is in verse five, where it says having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's what stuck out to me because all of those things that are listed above could be someone, could be me, could be, you know, the, you know, Jesus kind of, he, he, he like upped the ante when, mm-hmm. you know, you have heard it say, do not murder. But I tell you, if you hate someone, then you've committed murder. So, you know, we're seeing all of these things that we would, you know, those, you know, those of us who are following Christ, we go, oh, well, you know, I've dealt with this. I've dealt with that. But I think there are different forms. Like for me, pride seems to be the thing that always comes up for me again and mm-hmm. again. Um, and so I found it very sobering that, God, do I have a form of godliness, but I'm denying God's power and I'm allowing myself to, to live in a way that is described by some of these words? Am I doing that? And that's what I found it so sobering, you know, search me, Lord, that mm-hmm. that's where I need to start is search me and, and don't allow me to deny the power that you have to like clean house in me and in my heart. That's so good, Angela. You know, I, I actually, I wrote something along those lines in a recent, um, edition of the Equip newsletter, actually, and how God promises to make his power perfect, not when our power is is at its maximum, right? Mm. He promises to make his power perfect, actually, when we are weak. And so, you know, I want to add my power to God's power. So we'll have this ultimate power, right? Right. And that's just, that's just not how it works. He wants to be glorified. And so he actually looks for places where we are weak to make his power relevant. And you look at these first five verses and, and nothing um, nothing needs his power more than many of those. And then maybe, maybe I just want to underscore something that, that you said as well, because I, I also, when I read it, I kind of stop on have nothing to do 
with those people. And I'm tempted to make that the main takeaway. Oh, look at mm -hmm. all those other people who are doing these bad things. I should have nothing to do with them. But uh, Angela, in, in order to have nothing to do with those people, we've got to start by not being mm -hmm. those people, right? Mm -hmm. And so you know, much like you, I look at this list and I won't go one by one because that would be a little depressing. <laughs> um, but when I look at the list, I've got a lot of work to do here. I just do. And, um, you know, I think all of these things reflect sort of a prioritization of self. They're, they're all sort of selfish motivated, but many of them show up in my life. And so, you know, I think it is important to have a takeaway that we need to, you know, flee from evil and uh, from from people whose uh, actions are not correct. And, you and you know, you don't want to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And a lot of that is wisdom. But first, I think I need to look in the mirror and consider where my life embodies some of these things. And if I start by cleaning those out of my life, um, then I can shift to ensuring that, you know, I'm also uh, not in close proximity to those who are uh, doing the same. And I think another thing that's really important is the community aspect of this. I mean, there are some things when you have trusted friends, friends who have earned the right, I guess, to, mm -hmm. to speak into your life. You know, we all have blind spots. And I'm always so grateful when someone that maybe not in the immediate moment that they're pointing <laughs> out my blind spot, but, you know, that someone loves me well enough to say the hard thing. And so I think this is something that's important to to have really safe, honest community where you are allowing people to speak into your life. I was having a conversation recently with some friends and uh, we were talking about um, someone that's in a, in a position of uh, with a lot of influence. And as far as we could see, there there wasn't anyone who was allowed to speak honest truth. Do you know what I mean? I and, and I think it's really dangerous to surround ourselves. We all have influence um, if we surround ourselves with a bunch of yes people and versus people who are allowed to say the hard truth to us. Yeah, that, that's good, Angela. And a, a few things came to mind. Number one, I, I think this is uh, this is something that marriage is really good for, right? Nobody <laughs> yeah. knows us like our spouse. And uh, uh, they, they, I, I think that's where maybe I am fortunate to get some honest truth about who I am. But here's the other thing. I would say also our kids, right? Our mm -hmm. kids look at us. They're through, like little mirrors. Right. And mm -hmm. and there, there's just also no filter there. And mm -hmm. I, and I, I mean that in a positive way, like you get an honest reflection of what your actions produce in other people and how they respond to us. And so um, I'm grateful for that. But then for your your point about leaders, I I think this should really change the way that we we hold our leaders up as well, because I, I think you're right. I think a lot of times leaders, especially spiritual leaders, um, maybe don't ha aren't surrounded by people that can speak into their lives. And, and some of that is is their responsibility to set up. Uh, but but Angela, I also think it's part of our role to to love them well enough to um, be willing to support them and support them in a way where when there are flaws, we can we can either have conversations with them or or continue to support them while walking them through it. I think, I, you know, I, I won't go too far down this rabbit trail, but I think I think too often there's one of two 
uh, options. Either we're so deferential to our spiritual leaders that everything is swept under the rug, or when the first fault comes up, which all of us have fault, all of us have sinned and fallen short, everybody hits the doors, right? Mm -hmm. And all of us need to live in community with each other. And that includes those who God has placed a mantle on to lead us. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's convicting and challenging. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was thinking about how something that happened recently, I was asked to take a position at my church. I I worked at my church and I had some issues with my church, but for a variety of reasons, we stayed there. And I'm really glad we did because I'd heard uh, Scott Sauls say once that mm-hmm. someone asked him, what happens when things get hard at church and you stay? He said, growth, growth happens. And, and I have a personality where, oh, there's conflict and there's pain, so I'm out of here. But we stayed, and so I've had to work through a lot of things. But I didn't realize until I was asked to, to do a, a particular position. And as I was praying about it and considering it and talking, you know, getting wise counsel, I realized that I was hanging on to like almost an identity that, well, I'm someone who has trouble with our church. I don't have total buy-in. And if I was going to say yes to this thing that they were asking me to do, I was going to need to let go of that. And then it turned out, long story, but they had had to withdraw it and it was fine. But I was so grateful for the process of, oh, and just to say they didn't withdraw it because of me. It was because of other circumstances. Mm-hmm. But I was grateful for the process to go through to realize, oh my goodness, I was hanging on to that. You know, I was hanging on to, well, I don't have total buy-in. So to your point of sticking around when things are getting hard and loving people or loving a community when things are getting, when things are hard and when maybe not everything is going right or people aren't doing everything right, sticking it out and, and continuing that, that process, continuing that community. Does that make sense? It totally does. And I, uh, Scott Sauls has been a, an important voice in my life as well. It's interesting because, you know, he he and I probably come down on um, different, have different opinions on various things that are, you know, maybe policy-based or human-based, but he has been uh, so prescient in my life in uh, understanding actually the importance of, of bringing on additional perspectives to look at things. So I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. But, you know, um, there, there's that old adage that if you find the perfect church, you better not join it because then it'll no longer <laughs> yes. be perfect. Right. Right. And I think that's true with community, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we we need people, like you said, who we can be in community with, do life with, who recognize that we are going to fall down. And when we fall down, they won't trample us. They'll pick us back up. But if we want to be in community with those people, we have to be those people as well. And when mm-hmm. the people around us fall, we've got to, we've got to show grace. We've got to be able to pick back up. We've got to be able to build back up. And I actually think a little bit later in this chapter, that's you're talking about the difference between human knowledge and godly truth. I think, I think that's really the difference, right? Human, human knowledge and human pride puffs up and godly truth builds up and, and edifies and, you know, you mentioned that I've had a lot of conversations with Susie over over the years, and one of the one of the things that we come back to the most frequently, Angela, and one of the things that God has been working in my life, just I mean, over years, and it's been slow growth, and there's still work to do, but it's just this idea of what does it mean for iron to sharpen iron, mm. and and it, you can't have you you can't be sharpened i can't be sharpened unless i actually am coming into contact with other people that have rough edges that are different than mine mm-hmm. 
And so I have rough edges. They have rough edges. We have different views. They're going to clash. They're going to conflict. They're going to rub up against each other. But at the end of the day, if what we are ultimately pursuing and standing on is ultimate truth, and if we both are willing to be refined in that fire, um, then that's what's going to happen to both of us. But, you know, my natural inclination is to avoid those kind of conflicts or to just try to knock off the other person's rough edges. But if I want to be sharpened, I've literally got to come into contact with those people who come at it from a different perspective. That's so good. Uh, yeah. And this, this chapter continues to go on and be even more, more sobering with the, mm. the kind of, they're the kind that weren't, those are the people that they're talking about are the kind that worm their way into your homes and gain control over gullible women loaded down with sin, swayed with every desire always learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. I find that really sobering too. Like, you know, people talk about the longest trip is the the distance from your head to your heart. But to, mm. you know, you can have a lot of Bible knowledge without really knowing the Lord. That's kind of what I'm seeing there, that you have a lot of knowledge, but, but not knowing the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is, I think that is the main thought that I was referencing, talking about the difference between human knowledge that puffs up and then godly truth that, that edifies, you know, the pursuit of human knowledge, Angela, I think it's a good thing, right? Our creator Mm -hmm. made this universe. We should desire to know more about his creativity and what he created, but it can also be the very thing that keeps us from leaning on God's wisdom, because we will never get to a point where our knowledge of what he has created can compare with the creator. And so I think as we pursue knowledge, we just have to do it uh, against that backdrop. And, And I think maybe the other thing I would say there, and I think this is where that context from the beginning of the letter about the lives that we should lead comes into play here. If we're, if we're leaning on our own knowledge, that will lead to fear. And we will be ensnared. We will have paralysis. We will be ineffective and we'll be void of that power and, the, and love and, and sound minds that were promised. Um, but if we're pursuing knowledge of knowledge that uh, knowledge of the created, but ultimately leaning on the creator, then I think that's when we step into that promise of lives that are infused with with those three things. And again, I, I know I sound like a broken record, but who among us, Angela, doesn't want to lead a life of power? love and sound minds. I think that's why Paul led with it. And I, I, I think, you know, then he moved to all of these dangers uh, and that, but then he actually circles back and, and promises that you can overcome them. Right. And that's, I mean, and that's the gospel message. The gospel message is that Jesus came so that we could have life and have it abundantly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but right then, right before that, it's be careful because the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. As you were talking, it reminded me of just a couple of episodes. I was talking with Carmen LaBerge, and I actually brought up the in one of your episodes of The Equipped, you talked about the Tower of Babel. And then what else did you, you were? Yeah. So when, when the people were building the tower, they were trying to be like God. They were trying to attain an understanding of God. They were trying to be God-like. And ultimately, God had to come down and disrupt their plans. But I was struck by how he did it, Angela. He yeah. did it by causing a confusion of language. And again, there are lots of beautiful languages all around the world, but this 
What happened at Babel, I think, is also happening today, which is we are not able to share basic building blocks of language. And when I say something, you hear or understand or articulate something different. And when you say something, I hear or understand or or, or is articulated to my brain something different. And so we're saying the same words and they mean different things to each of us. And there's a confusion of language. And so what I wrote about was I, I just we as Jesus followers need to come back to a place where the shared language that we have is the shared language of the gospel. It doesn't mean we agree on everything, but it means that we agree and share the language of the fundamentally important things, the redemptive work that was done on the cross, and all of the other stuff that will pass away one day, Angela, all the stuff that will burn. It becomes inferior to those things that are absolutely fundamental and that we share a common bond in. Yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> that's what I was talking about. Because I think that, it, and it can feel exhausting when when, peop, when you don't feel understood and the best form of communication is seeking to understand, not seeking to be understood. But it can feel exhausting when you feel like you're, that people aren't understanding your words. And so I really appreciated the the reminder to go back to, you know, the gospel, go back to the, mm. the message of it, not necessarily the language you know, French, English, German, but you know, what, mm-hmm. what the gospel message is saying. So I want to, before we wrap up, I want to hear more about what you were, you know, what else from this chapter has, has struck you. Yeah. And actually that's a, that's a really good segue actually, because, um, you know, so we're, we're talking at the beginning of this final uh, chapter about all of these terrible times that are coming, but, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to steal the thunder of, of your next show, but just a few breaths later, later in this passage at the close of the letter, uh, Paul writes that even in the midst of these terrible times that you and I have been talking about, he uses this phrase, he says that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so without digging too deep on that, the, the current work that I'm doing right now, it, it's it's labeled Every Good Work. And the newsletter that I write is called The Equipped. The, the, the show that airs on Faith Radio is called The Equipped. And they're both rooted in that promise that shows up just a little bit after the at the passage that we're talking about today. And I, I bring that up because I, I actually don't think we can pull what we need to from the passage that we're talking about unless we look at it in, in context. And, and, and it's why it's so relevant to our times, because I think if we look at these nine verses that we've looked at, we see today, right? Mm-hmm. But it could be said about a lot of times, and it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of this letter from Paul. And so I, I know you're going to talk about it in the next broadcast, but we can't read about these terrible times unless we do it from a posture of understanding that we're supposed to lead lives that are marked with power, love, and sound minds. And God's word can thoroughly equip us to engage not some of these issues. It can thoroughly equip us to engage uh, all of them. So just a little bit of tease for the next show, uh, but but we might live in terrible times and sometimes, but you and I can still be thoroughly equipped for them. And I think that's why it's so important to be rooted in God's word. And it just feels really important, especially in the days that we're living, I mean, to not only stay equipped in his word, but also Paul's letters feel so applicable to the to the world that we're living in now and the way that just like you said the way that we can operate in it that we don't have to come from a place of fear we can come from a place of being equipped Mm. yeah so good then thank you so much for taking the time to do this is there any last thought that you had before we wrap up 
I, I just I just love Paul's letters. Uh, you know, he he opens so many of them by saying, "I thank God every time I remember all of you," and then he proceeds to you know, sort of smack us around a little bit with reality, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But then he always closes with encouragement. And so uh, I appreciate the chance to be able to dig in here. What a what a priceless piece of God's word. Thank Well, thank you again for taking the time to do this. Thanks, Angela. Thank you for joining us for this conversation about 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. If you'd like to find out more about Than Bennett, you can check out the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time for 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com. Being the new person can feel intimidating, but we want you to know you belong, and we're so glad that you're here. We're excited that God is working in your life and that you're joining us in the mission field to tell the whole world about Jesus. So introduce yourself, and we'll send you a special free gift to encourage you with information about who we are. Request your free welcome pack today at MyFaithRadio.com. That's MyFaithRadio.com.